0: How can you make a difference on this crazy planet? Listen to nature-inspired stories and interviews with environmental educators for some new ideas. Sustainable living news writer, nature walker, and youth educator, Wendy Natterney-Fashon, hosts the Story Walking Radio Hour to talk about issues that matter and to introduce you to people who are coming up with creative, sensible solutions. Let's engage with Earth, with spirit, and with one another. Heart to heart to solve problems and co-create more meaningful life stories. Tune in to nature's loving vibes every Monday at nine AM and nine PM here on the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network.
1: Welcome to the Story Walking Radio Hour. I'm your host, Wendy nanani Fashon, here on the syndicated Dream Vision Seven Radio Network. For a complete listing of network programs, Go to DreamVision7, that's numeral 7, radio.com. You'll find the Story Walking Radio Hour show listed under the Sustainable Living tab, or you can access it through my website at storywalking.com. So today we're going to be talking about agrihomeopathy. But first of all, i talk about homeopathy. Homeopathy originated from Europe in the early 1800s when natural remedies and protocols were developed to stimulate our body's own natural healing response. Now what I find interesting is that many of the founders and teachers of homeopathic medicine were trained physicians well-versed in biblical scripture, where ancient healing wisdom was derived from time-honored experience with natural substances, from myrrh and frankincense to spices such as cumin and cinnamon, to a wide range of bitter herbs. So in this episode, we're going to explore the practice of agrohomeopathy, the use of homeopathy to improve the health and vitality of pets, livestock, wildlife, and plants. Our guest, Christina White, is a homeopathic educator and co-founder of Your Life and Land in Rochester, Massachusetts. In Chris's own words, Agrohomeopathy is an inexpensive, chemical-free, non-toxic method of healing and protecting plants and agricultural resources from pests and disease. Chris is a best-selling co-author of Wealth Codes, Sacred Strategies for Abundance. Through her work in natural health, agriculture, and over 25 years as a consultant and educator, Chris's ongoing goal is to educate people on the benefits of eating real food, the importance of natural health options in the home, and the need for each of us to educate ourselves and trust our own abilities and intuition. Chris offers educational resources for individuals, as well as customized programs for healers, natural practitioners, farms, and groups that want to understand how to use homeopathy in their own quest for true wealth, vitality, and wholeness. Before speaking with Chris, however, I would like to set the stage with a revelatory walk that was guided by biblical verse. Early one afternoon, I had an appointment with a friend who owned a promotional products business. I wanted to look at samples of small personalized pencils that children can keep in their pocket for note-taking. Upon finishing my meeting, my friend commented how he had been having trouble sleeping and was waking up at 2 a.m. every morning with lots of ideas in his head. I responded to him that I understood, because this happens to me, too. This is a widely experienced phenomenon that occurs in the liminal space that separates the of the night in the beginning of a new day, sometime between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. A friend of mine once referred to this time as the hour of the angels. One might also refer to it as the hour of the universal mind or the hour of the creative mind. Could it be that this time of peace and quiet is the best time for the spiritual realm to download the answers The perplexing questions that are in our minds when we settle down into bed. Scientifically, this particular time coincides with brainwave activity and levels of consciousness specific to this phase of our natural sleep cycle. The early morning hours seem to be a space where metaphysical and physical minds meet to exchange thoughts and one awakens to set those thoughts into waking consciousness. Before driving out of my friend's parking lot, I turned on the radio and heard the words You Can't Sleep from Robert Palmer's song, Addicted to Love. Now, when songs on the radio align with my thoughts or experiences, I am in awe of the synchronicity. I wonder, has some musical angel just whispered into the subconscious mind of the DJ, or is this simply the universe itself responding to my thoughts? Recognizing and acting upon such coincidental transmissions is a creative game I play, and I call the game story walking, because these occur most often when I am out walking. So what is my playful response to this transmission? Well, upon arriving home, I composed a playful query in Rhyme and emailed it to my friend Anne, who is a collector of illuminated manuscripts, but she's also gifted with the ability to channel angel messages back and forth between the human realm and the angel realm. And on the subject line, I wrote, the Dr. Seuss in me is coming out. And then, do you ever get the feeling that your life has been pre-scripted? That they're sitting up above and that they know that I'm addicted? That they're hanging all around me thinking, simply irresistible. She's addicted to this game, and she's entirely predictable. The 10 have placed their bets as I am driving out the lot. She will turn on iHeartRadio. Oh, my dear, this game is hot. The universe's response to my email came back abruptly, proposing a playful challenge in the form of a riddle. Here we go one more time. What is the pentameter of the next rhyme? It could be me or maybe you. What a silly thing to hear, say, and do. To hear a verse and not converse. Fascinating and maddening. What a thought plane to traverse. The spin of life may be causing the dim, but you may understand the ideas when the ship sails in. Some of you may be thinking, Ah, Wendy's friend Anne is playing the game with her. That's fine, you may think that, but no, I was playing the game with creative mind and was just the intermediary messenger. And here's how the game played out. Verse, converse, traverse. This repeated use of verse was one clue. The choice of the word dim, D-I-M, sparked my curiosity, although I have no idea exactly why it was that word. I just sensed it my inner voice urged me to consult Webster's Dictionary. The dictionary listed the synonyms for dim as obscure, dark, and mysterious, or not luminous or bright. And to put the word into context, there was an example of its use provided by a verse quoted from 17th century English poet John Milton. The verse read, and storied windows richly dight, casting a dim, richly light. I guessed that story windows referred to the stained glass windows of a church. I had to flip through the pages of the dictionary to find the meaning of dight, D-I-G-H-T, which is to arrange or put in order. And storied windows richly dight. Then I read the angel rhyming riddle again and guessed that the intention of the words, when the ship sails in, I figured that was another clue. I was being sent on a treasure hunt. I left my house and traveled a mile into downtown East Greenwich to State St. Luke's Episcopal Church on the hill above East Greenwich Harbor. St. Luke's has a marvelous collection of stained glass windows. and At the back of the sanctuary is a window depicting a famous ship known as Providence. The window stands out because, being neither a biblical nor religious image, it is instead an historic image. I entered the church and went straight away to look at the window in detail. The bottom of the lower window panel held a Bible verse. Trust him and he will help you steer a straight course and set your hope on him. from Ecclesiastes 2, chapter 2, verse 6. Now, mind you, my friend Anne has never seen these windows. Had never seen them when she sent me the riddle, anyway. And she lives in Chicago. I live in East Greenwich. She had no knowledge that I owned a 1979 edition of Webster's Unabridged Dictionary, nor that I referred to it frequent, frequently in my story walking practice. This sequence of events was happening because of my belief in and awareness of the workings of the universal spirit. I walked down the aisle on the left side of the sanctuary to visit my favorite series of windows, which honor the memory of William Goddard, the 10th Chancellor of Brown University. It is a triptych of Tiffany glass windows depicting pastoral scenes, typical of Tiffany, who seldom use biblical figures. What draws the eye is the early morning sky in the upper panes of the center panel. A pink and purple landscape of clouds above which a heavenly light shines through. From above, from outside the sanctuary. In the lower panels are gardens of tulips, iris, and goldenrod. Celebrating spring, summer, and fall. The Bible verses at the bottom of the left and right panels come from Psalm chapter 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and the world and they that dwell therein. I sensed a connection between the Goddard windows and the window depicting the ship. Something about the verses. And then I returned home to do some research. I don't know exactly why, but I wanted to compare the Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 6 from the Providence window to the Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 6 in the standard Bible in our home library. I found that Bible translations and revisions can vary in interesting ways, sometimes providing deeper insight. Lo and behold, the two versions were completely different. In our home Bible, chapter 2, verse 6 stated, I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. And it was followed by verse 7. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves were born in my house. Neither verse has anything to do with trusting in God and steering a straight course. But here's the thing. The history of the ship Providence has a dark side. A hidden side and one could say a dim past. The Rhode Island General Assembly purchased the sloop Katy in 1775 from John Brown, a wealthy merchant, statesman, and slave trader. The Katy was commissioned to serve the Continental Army against the British and was renamed USS Providence. It was the first ship to launch the formation of the US Navy. As you see, it it strikes me as a twist of irony. I mean, the idea that the USS Providence served as a merchant vessel of a slave trader, only to be rededicated to the colonist's fight for freedom from the oppressive rule of England. The standard Bible verse drew my attention to this fact. Continuing my search for understanding online, I found a third version of the same verse. Believe God, and he will recover thee, and direct thy way, and trust in him. Keep his fear, F E A R, fear, and grow old therein. Keep his fear? Grow old therein? I was puzzled by this turn of phrase and that, that word, therein. I thought about the words beneath the Goddard triptych window, dwell therein, in. The words tumbled around inside my mind and my heart. His fear, F-E-A-R, what do we have to fear with God? The earth is the Lord's, his earth, his world, his sphere, S-P-H-E-R-E, his sphere? I marveled at the playfulness of the words the pun. A pun is a literary device where a word is is similar or similar sounding to words that are used in a manner to suggest two or more possible meanings. This is generally done to the effect of creating humor or irony and making the reader have an aha moment. The tumble of words had finally settled into a different order, a richly dight. Keep his fear, P-S-P-H-E-R-E, and grow old therein. In other words, take good care of this planet and so live a long life. To come to this conclusion, I connected a series of disparate dots, a synchronistic piece of verse from a song, silly rhyming verses exchanged with angels, Definitions in classic verse from a dictionary. Images in Bible verses on stained glass windows. Comparative verses from different Bibles. I understood with clarity the poetic message I received through Anne. To hear a verse and not converse. Fascinating and maddening what a thought plane to traverse. Verse, converse, traverse. Three verses of themselves. Three verses beneath storied windows, and a silly riddle answered through a cryptic triptych. What a fun game! Had the storied treasure hunt been created of my own mind? Or had it co-created the story story with universal mind? Is my mind one and the same as universal mind? Does this tickle your mind? Is your mind one and the same? Are all of our minds one and the same? And... One more question to consider. Hmm, why did I choose this choose to share this story today? My intention was to share this message. Take good care of the planet and so live a long life. When we take good care of our land, our plants and our animals, we extend our own lives. So here to speak with us about your life and our, our land and agri is Christina White, homeopathic educator and co-founder of Your Life and Land. Chris will explain how one can use inexpensive, chemical-free, non-toxic homeopathic methods of healing and protecting plants and agricultural resources from pests and disease and how this benefits us in our own pursuit of optimal health. When Chris participated in a past episode about celebrating oneness with all creation, she talked briefly about agrohomeopathy. And intrigued by what she had to say, I wanted to learn more. And so I invited Chris back to tell us more about this topic. So, Chris, welcome back to Story Walking Radio Hour.
2: Hi, Wendy. Thank you so much for a return invitation. And that, that story was incredible. Um, and there's so yeah, many it, things... It, it. <laughs> It blew me it's away truly, when it happened, yeah when and it's it's yeah, it was fascinating, so thank you and it's I'm listening to you and and then and it's you know because i'm thinking and I'm also thinking about the homeopathy in the back of my mind, um, and it's perfect like because it does it ties into really how we you know how homeopathy can be used to continue taking care of our planet. But even the more fascinating part of that to me is, is that, you know, homeopathy is, is made from natural resources on our planet. And so it's just, it's just a one of – it was great. Thank you. And so I, I'm well, looking yeah, now at the, the, at the <laughs> – I'm looking at the parallels between the two of them. And, you know, one of – I think, you know – well, let me take a step back into what homeopathy is and, and then I will – and the natural resource piece. So, so mm-hmm. homeopathy is made from natural resources, as you know. Um, and some of those natural resources are plants, some of them are minerals, and then there's other ones that are made from different resources um, that come from the planet, but the key piece to that is is that everything in my mind is here, Um, and even as, you know, sometimes we're not taking care of our planet, if you look around at, at nature and all of these different resources, they're so resilient, you know, and they keep, they keep showing up almost, you know, like, we're here, pay attention, we're here, you're, you know, your medicine, your health, your vitality is right here before you. Mm-hmm. So when we, you know, when we use these remedies in agrohomeopathy, um, you know, we're using natural resources to actually strengthen and help deter against pest diseases, things like that. But again, it's about keeping, keeping the balance. Right. So to me, when I started getting into agro homeopathy, I was like, well, this makes perfect sense because we're growing, you know, we're growing in our soil and we're growing amongst all these other places. And, you know, if you're creating your gardens and you're trying to kind of move everything away from them to protect, you know, your plants and protect from pests and protect from, you know, the animals and things like that. You know, it's always a battle. But if you start to, you know, treat your property, you know, your land." your life and land, and your gardens as one and finding that balance, um, and by finding that balance you can use homeopathy, then you're not fighting anymore. You know, you're finding kind of how all of it works together. Yeah,
1: Um, no, definitely. Um, So we're going to hold that thought. Because it's time for our first station break. We have a lot to dive into here, Chris. Um, I'm your host, Wendy natterney feshon here on the syndicated Dream Vision 7 radio network. You're listening to the Storywalking Radio Hour. The purpose and mission of the Storywalking Radio Hour is to open minds and foster po- positive difference making here on planet Earth. Uh, to find more episodes, please visit my website at storywalking.com. Join our Facebook group, Story the Storywalking Radio Hour, um, and that'll help to keep up with our latest podcast releases and other related information. So you got a taste of what we're going to be going into today. We'll be back in a moment to talk about agrohomeopathy with Chris White, co-founder of Your Life and Land.
0: How can you make a difference on this crazy planet? Listen to nature-inspired stories and interviews with environmental educators for some new ideas. Sustainable Living News writer, nature walker, and youth educator, Wendy natterney fashion hosts the Story Walking Radio Hour to talk about issues that matter and to introduce you to people who are coming up with creative, sensible solutions. Let's engage with Earth, with spirit, and with one another. Heart to heart to solve problems and co create more meaningful life stories. Tune in to Nature's Loving Vibes every Monday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. here on the Dream Vision 7 radio network.
1: How can parents help their teenage children navigate the challenging years between childhood and adulthood? How might parents continue to gently exert a positive influence during this critical stage of growth and development? Read *The Difference Maker*, written by parent and Storywalking radio host Wendy Natterney Fashan. This book shares the story of her late son Neil, their relationship, and the wisdom of an enlightened teenager. *The Difference Maker* is a coming-of-age collection of stories that parents can share and discuss with their kids. Go to the Storywalking.com website, download *The Difference Maker*, and become inspired. Why would God design
0: a heart-shaped flower that cries? In a picture book titled The Angel Heart, a curious child picks such a flower and carefully pulls it apart, one poetic petal at a time, to reveal the answer. Discover the miracle of the heart and its role in providing comfort, joy, and peace. Written in the language of love, this uplifting story is sure to open up conversations about emotions, spiritual beliefs, the circle of life, or even fairy magic. Give your favorite child the gift of love. The Angel Heart by Wendy Natterney Fashan. Available through Amazon and Balboa Press.
3: This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow.
1: Welcome back to the story walking radio hour here on the syndicated dream vision seven radio network. I'm your host, Wendy Natterny fashion, and we're talking about agri homeopathy with Chris white, co-founder of your life and land. I just want to mention that the tagline of Chris's business is be the steward of your life, land and health. And this aligned with the message of the story that I, I I shared um, in the first segment. And, you know, if you want to, I'm not going to ask Chris to get into her story because we actually did that back in the episode on oneness. So, uh, you know, go onto the archives and you can go back and listen to that episode and you'll hear a little bit more of Chris's background. But really today we just want to dive into um, homeopathy and we want to, you know, but, but then before we dive into homeopathy, we're going to need to get a clear understanding of homeopathy. And Chris started to do that at the end of the last segment, but want to kind of get into that a little bit more. Chris, what is homeopathy? And how do you differentiate it from,
2: say, herbalism? So homeopathy is, is considered a holistic system of health, right? And we have, um, we have quite a few, we have thousands of actually homeopathic remedies. But what we do is each remedy that we have has what's called an energetic profile, or an imprint, right? And it's an imprint of that actual natural resource. So whether we're talking about a plant or we're talking about a mineral. And so that's where it actually ties back into when people will ask me, well, what's the difference between herbalism and homeopathy? We use some of the same resources as herbalists do, but there's a very different process that is used. And the process that is used is we actually take the natural resources, say that's a plant, and then that actual tincture of that plant is basically um, put through a potenization process, they call it, in the homeopathic world. And it's diluted, and then there is a process called succussion, which is shaking, um, which I know might sound a little unusual. But that actual process of diluting and succussing, succussing excuse me, the actual tincture, um, the actual the, the tincture itself gives that actual remedy the energetic profile. So it's kind of part herbalism and then it's part, you know, people say, oh, so it's like Reiki, it's an energetic, it's an energetic medicine. And it, it's, you know, it's slightly different from that, but it is tied to, and we can put links at the end of this, um, Wendy, um, quantum physics, mm-hmm. and there's, there's much um, Better versed people that can discuss the quantum physics um, side of homeopathy. Cool. Um, mm-hmm. So, cool. so that is really kind of what it is. And so now you have that imprint, you know, of that plant, say where we're talking about. You have that energetic quality, and then when you're working with an, you know, an agro homeopathy or an animal or a person, and that's why I became so fascinated with it because it doesn't really. It doesn't matter which being or what being we're talking about. It's basically taking the energetic pro- uh, profile of one and matching it to, say, just to keep it fairly simple in the beginning here, um, a person. So if a person has particular symptoms that are going on for them and the energetic profile of our remedy is those, are those same symptoms, if you give that remedy to that person, what happens? Because we're all energy, correct? Is it's going to basically act as a catalyst for that person, that being, that animal, that plant, to start to actually rebalance itself so the the way that we we look at it homeopathy when we're we're doing this is that you know we'll ask people a series of questions or in agro homeopathy, when I go and work with a plant, you know to look at say, um, let me give you an example of a of an apple tree that has the rust, right so that's when you'll see actually rust on the, people are pretty familiar with it. They'll have the deformed apples, they'll have the rust on the leaves. We actually look at that, and that's a profile of what's going on for that apple tree. Well, we have a homeopathic remedy that matches that same energetic profile and those actual symptoms, and it's called belladonna. Now, when you give the belladonna remedy, say, to that apple tree, you will see those red spots and all of the other symptoms that tie into what happens to the apple tree, the deformed um, apples and things like that, they drop early. You'll see all of those symptoms start to correct itself. And so, again, wow. the belladonna is, is yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing to see it. Um, and super quickly, like, this took me some time to really begin to understand and really get my head wrapped around because I'm like, how does that work? But, I mean, it is what we call like cures like. Right. So that's one of our core principles in homeopathy is we have like cures like we have the minimum dose and then we have the totality of symptoms. And like what I just explained about the profile, that's your totality of symptoms. So when you look at a plant, you take down all of the symptoms and there are books um, and also the work that I do but there are books that have what's called a repertory so it's a list of those types of symptoms right so you if you were interested in working say with an apple tree at your house you would go and look in that repertory and you would find some of that different information and you would basically create a profile a, a profile of the apple tree and then you would go over to what we call our materia medica which is just like a it's you know it's a book that contains the actual homeopathic remedy profile and you would match the two. So a lot of people, you know, one of my goals, one of my biggest goals is to teach people how to do that because um, it is something that we can all, you know, begin to do for ourselves and on our land and, you know, to promote healthier plants and to actually get rid of a lot of these pests, not get rid of, but deter the pests and diseases away from our food sources without spraying all of the chemicals and, the, uh, you know, all of the things that are killing us and our wildlife. Fantastic.
1: Um, so, you explained that really well. Um so we, you told us about the, the principles and I don't yep. know if you want to tell us a little bit more about that or, or I want I wanted us to get into Herring's law.
2: Okay. So so yes, on the principles we talked about the, the profile, so that's that's that piece. There's also the minimum dose, just real quick that I mentioned briefly, but minimum dose is just we give the lowest amount of a homeopathic remedy to the plant, to the person, to the animal, to get that actual, um, you know, to act as a catalyst and to get that actual response. So we don't keep giving it over and over and over again. We allow it to actually work, which is very different from our conventional world, right, even from a pesticide spraying side. Um, So you do have to have, people do have to kind of have patience. Um, But what's really great about it, I believe, from an agricultural side is it's cost effective. So you know you do have to reapply in different cases, but the cost of homeopathic remedies and the actual um, you know the actual application of it is super easy. You know you need remedies and you need clean water. Um, and you can actually do it at a very small scale. Like we actually use it for our plants in the house. We use it out with our small sprayers in the greenhouse. But you can actually take it bigger scale. You can take it across your property. You can take it into farming and in larger scales. And there is there are people that are doing that. Um, so. But now once we have all of that, those are the principles, we have our remedy, right? We've matched it to, say, the plant, that apple tree. Now what we do under the Herring's Law that you asked about is we now watch to see what that remedy does, right? So we have three principles in the Herring's Law. We have the, that you'll see a cure or a restoration from inside out, you know, so from the inside of the tree to the exterior of the tree, and then it's from top down. So it would be from the top of the plant to the bottom of the plant, to the root system. And um, and then it is inside out, top down. Sorry, one more thing. <laughs> I just lost my train of thought, Wendy, Old, old to
1: new,
2: old to new, is that it? <laughs> old to new, thank you, yes. or new to old. See, I've learned
1: something already. I
2: remember it. (laughs) No, you've been incredible. And so and there you know, there are different there are you know, there's a lot behind all of this, but they're simple principles. You know, they're they're not they're not difficult principles for any of us to actually learn. It's just a different way of thinking. You know, in our conventional world it you know, it's like, well, I have that insect, so I spray that. Well, in you know, the homeopathic world, we'll look at that plant and if we see that insect insect, that's great. But we'll also look at, well, how is the plant responding to that? Is there a discoloration of leaves? Is the soil around the plant dry? Like we take all of those pieces and that's our profile. So it's no different than the profile that I would apply to a person if I was working with them homeopathically or an animal, because the, animal, you know, the animals and the plants, you know, they don't speak our language. They do, they do talk per se, but they don't speak our language. So we have to observe so if we can observe those pieces, you know, and where again we're looking at whole the whole being. So that's the uh, the uh, totality of symptoms. We're looking at mental, we're looking at emotional, and we're looking at physical. And we have that in animals. We have that in our trees. We have that in ourselves. And we just look at those pieces. We create the profile. We go back over to our remedy resource profile, match the two, give the remedy, and watch the actual watch the actual shifts. And then you might have a tree that will resolve certain things, but now there's something left. So that's that old to new, right? Or new to old. So now you go back and you might look at a second remedy. So a lot of times I use on the fruit plants, um, I use the belladonna, but I also use a remedy called thuya. And thuya is a, um, used for basically fungus, right? So And lots of our plants and trees have fungal issues. So you can give The thuya for that, but you also can give thuya for an animal that has some type of abscess or a person that has some type of abscess. So, the other beauty about homeopathy from a cost side and from a learning side is that it's inexpensive and you can use it for all of this across the board. So, you don't need 52 million kits for each one, you just need one. And then you need to understand the actual profile of the remedies. And then when you go out into your yard and you are looking at at a tree and you see these particular symptoms, and then you go and say you're working with your horses or a dog or whatever it might be, the animals in your world, you see those symptoms and then you have someone in your life and you see those symptoms, it's the same remedy. So we don't care about conditions or diseases. We care about what we can observe. We care about that mental, emotional, and physical.
1: Okay. So, all right. This is is so cool. So... um, Looking at Herring's Law, okay, um, I'm wondering, you know, how you might see that play out across, Well, um, oh gosh, like, say, I don't know, maybe an example might be a headache, okay? How would you take Herring's Law to, you know, and apply it to a treatment of a headache? What would that look like? But then, you know, would you use that same treatment or, or you know, take a different, you know, whatever example you want to take, um, show how that plays out, the same remedies might play out for treating an animal or a plant. Does that make my question was- clear? <laughs>
2: yeah that's great no that's, yeah that's perfect so so if we look at say herring's law specifically for a person just for a moment and a headache right so you might i might have someone come in and they'll give me a symptom of migraine headaches and they'll describe so this is that totality of symptom two piece which is separate from herring's herring herring's law but um i'll get a description of that actual headache so it might be a left-headed headache it might feel like little hammers in their head Um, They might get flushed or they may not be flushed. Like there's all these different, you know, unique pieces for all of us when we get a headache. You know, there's, there's all sorts of people that have headaches, but you can't give them the same homeopathic remedy because they are a unique being. And so one person might need nature meraticum And another person might need pulsatilla, right? So that's that's that symptom profile first. And so that is one of the reasons homeopathy has challenges in the conventional world from like folks understanding that it does work um, is because it isn't one fits all. And so you do need to look and see each particular symptom for people, how they express that headache, and then you go and find that remedy. Um, so we have the headache. And now in Herring's Law's case, so person takes it for their migraine, their migraine um, in that case, they might see a little bit of a, when they take the remedy, they might find sometimes that it, they're like, Chris, it's actually getting worse. And I'm like, okay, so just, you have to look at Herring's Law in the sense that it's actually resolving top down, inside out, and then, you know, current to past, right? So they usually will wait and not try to take that a leave or something like that, which is sometimes difficult, Right. And then that headache will pass. So you'll see the headache pass. And then sometimes what will happen is people will say, well, my headache is gone, but now I have this, like, my wrist is really bothering me. And, you know, I have a pain in my wrist that I wasn't having before. And again, what's happening there is that it's going top down, but it's also doing um, from the past. So usually if I ask the person, did you injure that, that wrist before, they'll say to me, yes. And so... you know, it's kind of a twofold when you look at the Herring's Law. You've got the top down, so it's head to wrist, but then you also have top down the headache and then this is an old symptom that is coming up for, for basically it to be processed and resolved. And so it goes all the way down. You know, it will go all the way down the body. So when we see top down, we're, hap- we're happy. Other people, you know, our clients aren't always because <laughs> it's it's confusing and you know it's sometimes uncomfortable. Another example of something like that would be, say, someone comes in for um, respiratory type things, right? So they come in for a respiratory thing. We do their whole totality of symptoms. We give them a t- particular remedy. The remedy, the respiratory symptoms go away, but then they end up having skin issues and. Usually I'll have in their their history, their health history, that they had eczema, say, when they were a child. So their eczema will start to return. And so, again, now that's our inside out.
1: Okay. Um, okay. And also- so, um, yeah, so we're going to take a quick break here. Um, we've been talking with, um, with Chris White about um, homeopathy, agrohomeopathy, and we're just talking now about Herring's Law. Um, but we're going to take a break and come back in a minute. Um, to continue this conversation um, you're listening to storywalking radio hour help us grow our community of listeners and difference makers so we can work together to build a better world share these podcasts with fa- friends and family they're all online free um, go to storywalking.com the website and you can learn more i'm your host wendy Bashon and we're here with chris white co-founder of your life and land our conversation will continue after this station break
0: Can you make a difference on this crazy planet? Listen to nature-inspired stories and interviews with environmental educators for some new ideas. Sustainable living news writer, nature walker, and youth educator Wendy Natterney-Fashan hosts the Story Walking Radio Hour to talk about issues that matter and to introduce you to people who are coming up with creative, sensible solutions. Let's engage with Earth, with spirit, and with one another. Heart to heart to solve problems and co create more meaningful life stories. Tune in to Nature's Loving Vibes every Monday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. here on the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Delight your kids with an enchanting journey by reading The Paper Doll Kids Children's Book by Deborah Beauvais and Janine Sullivan. There's even a catchy tune, Kids for Love song produced by Bob Sherwood and sung by kids just like yours. The story weaves around seven paper dolls flying around the world doing good deeds as they bring important attention to our endangered animal friends. There's even a magical ring with a universal message. Kids become interested in service projects, action through compassion, and planting seeds that nurture positive children. Change. The Paper Doll Kids and Kids for Love Song are a production of the Kids for Love Project. Get the book now on Amazon Kindle and the song on CD Baby or iTunes.
1: High school student Neil Fashan dreamed of leading other young people away from hopelessness to helpfulness, from loneliness to friendship, and from inertia
0: to difference-making. Then, in college, he was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer.
1: After Neil died at age 20, his mother, Wendy, began to sort through the memorabilia he'd accumulated over the years artwork, notebooks, journals, personal notes, and letters. She's assembled these memories into a timely ebook called The Difference Maker. Parents and teens will appreciate this collection of stories about kindness, resilience, faith, and love. Go to the storywalking.com website, download The Difference Maker, and become inspired.
0: Edesia is a U.S. nonprofit dedicated to the dream of ending childhood malnutrition for millions of children around the world. Through the manufacture of plumpy nut and other nutrient rich, peanut based, ready to use foods, Edesia has already delivered life and hope to nearly 1 million children in over 26 developing countries. To find out how you can join Edesia's dream of ending childhood malnutrition, please visit edesiaglobal.org
1: You're back with the Story Walking Radio Hour here on the syndicated Dream Vision 7 radio network. I'm your host, Wendy Natterny-Fashon, and we are talking about agro-homeopathy with Chris White, homeopathic educator at Your Life and Land. Okay, so Chris, let's. Um, we were talking about homeopathy and Herring's Law and headaches and respiratory, and now I want to translate that into how you would treat animals and plants.
2: Okay. So I think a great example would be to use um, the remedy, homeopathic remedy called Aconite. So Aconite is actually made from a plant, um, which you actually, in an herbal world, you wouldn't you wouldn't actually take um, Aconite because it can be toxic. But in a homeopathic world, one of the things that's really wonderful about it is is that it is not toxic. So it's perfectly safe for us. It's safe for the animals. It's safe for plants. But a great example of when I've used that recently is um, for basil. So. We had a a series of basil plants last spring that we went to put, you know, we went to put out and we put them out what we thought was safe. I can't remember what that was at this point, but a safe time of year, right? Or, you know, frost was done and we were all set and then we had another frost come in. And so immediately when I looked at the actual basil plants, they had that bluish hue that you'll see basically when a frost kind of comes in and... Most of the time, you'd lose that actual, those basal plants, right? Like they just couldn't endure it because they're fairly sensitive. We gave the remedy aconite um, to the plants. And then I actually followed it up with um, a remedy called calendula or calendula, depending on how you say it. And the aconite, the reason I chose that is the piece I want to share is that it's a shock remedy. So in a person, you would give it for shock and an animal, you would give it for shock and in a plant you would give it um, shock. And it's a shock from a cold, dry wind. Um, and, so, and you'll have that bluish kind of little hue on the plant. So you can give, it, give that for the plant to actually recover from the shock. And then I followed up with um, the calendula or the calendula to help it actually heal. And that's a very big remedy that a lot of people know in the, in the world for people and animals, and it's used to actually heal or close wounds. So you can also use that remedy for all different types of things in the garden. You can use it if you're transplanting. If I was trans or when I'm transplanting plants, I actually will use Arnica, which is very popular to people because it's for pain, inflammation and wounds. Right. So you start with your Arnica after you transplant the, the plant, you know, for them to get over that piece. And then you move into the, uh, the calendula. And if you're concerned about shock, you actually, I'll step back, I apologize, you could start with aconite because it's been moved. So if you're concerned about that, you would do aconite. Then you move the plant um, and you can give it in a couple of days or a day the arnica. And then if you feel like it's still not healing or you want the roots to really take hold, you can follow with the calendula. So... Those are three remedies that you actually can use in a series in agrohomeopathy, um, and you, a lot of people will just standardize it, and they will say, you know, I'm moving a plant, I'm going to give the aconite. The next you know, couple of days, I'll follow up with the arnica, and the following day or a day after, you can follow up the calendula. But the piece that I think is really fascinating is each of them, you know, have their own jobs, but they all work well together. So, you know, the per aconite is I've- a shock. Go ahead. Okay.
1: Yeah, I have a question. How do you apply those to a plant?
2: So like to apply them to a plant... Yeah. The actual process. is simple. You can, if you're doing just one plant, you can take like three pellets of a homeopathic remedy. You can put it in a... We usually use like a clean. You don't want to use something you've used chemicals in before. So we actually have little, um, you know, the sprayers that you we just use for homeopathic remedies. And you take three to five pellets and you fill it with water. And so usually I'll do... I'm just doing a, a cup or one plant, I'll even use like a large glass container that's basically a cup of water. And then I will actually do three pellets. You let it dissolve, you stir it, um, you let it dissolve, and then you water the base of the plant. And it, and it really is that simple. So you can do it small scale, um, and you can do it large scale. So y- you would repeat that for each one of those remedies. So you would do a glass for the aconite, you would allow that to work, and usually people will do, again, I I watch the plants, so I'll decide when to actually go to the next remedy. But a good way for people to look at it when they're learning is to do the first one of the arnica and follow it, say, the next day with the next remedy, which would be, excuse me, the um, aconite then arnica, and then follow it again with the calendula or the calendula.
1: Okay. All right. And another question I have is, um, you're talking about Using it for transplanting or maintenance. What about when you're just
2: putting something into seed? Would you, would you ever so seed, use seed? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Seed is yeah, seed is wonderful. Um, that's actually one of my funnest parts to actually watch watch the seedlings and how well they do with the homeopathic remedies because you can see a distinct difference when you use the remedy. Silica is the first one I use. So when I plant seeds, I actually um, you can soak the seeds in. The homeopathic water res- uh, remedy I just mentioned, the silica, and you can let them soak, mm. and then you plant them, or you can mm. actually just apply them. So you plant the seeds, and then you would water with silica, and then. Silica is one of those remedies, though, that I mentioned earlier. When you give a remedy, you allow it to work. You don't have to repeat it. So we usually only do one dose of silica at the beginning of our plant, our plant seedlings. And then what I do is I wait a week and will follow up with um, different remedies that we actually use homeopathically as fertilizer. So one of them is a remedy called Calc Carb. Um, and then we actually created kind of a combination remedy where we used kelp carb, magnesium, um, carb, magnesium carb, excuse me, and magnesium phosphorus. And those three remedies, uh, they're all min- minerals, right? And those are the minerals that the plant needs to actually grow. And you can actually take those remedies and use those across your garden. You can put them in the kitchen garden. Well, we, we happen to have a kitchen garden here I always talk about. So you can use it in large quantities also if you are trying to prep you know, some land in your in your yard for actual growing, or if you just want to, you know, give your plants a boost. We use kelp carb um, for our holly trees here. Um, so anything that fruits, kelp carb is amazing for. You can literally see when you like. I have a dogwood. If you actually give it kelp carb, you know, right before you're actually hitting the, um, you know, the growth spurt for the, the flowers. If you give that, the blooms you will see are distinctly different than if you did not. And really?
1: How, how are they different?
2: The, I mean, they're just vibrant. So our, I have okay. pictures actually yeah. of our dog web. I mean, you'll just see they're, they'll be more robust. You'll get more flowers, more fruit. Calcarb is, is one of the biggest homeopathic remedies we use for getting more abundant flowers, fruiting, you know, fruits, things like that. So we use it with strawberries. We'll use it yeah. with all the different fruit plants. Oh, that's interesting because I'm,
1: I'm, I'm sitting here looking out the window at our dogwood, which some years does really well and some years it's just really, oh, I wonder if it's going to live another year. But it did really well last spring. But that's good to know. <laughs> really yeah. good to know. Yeah. Um, and okay. Also wondering, you know, are there, I don't know, some plant species are more challenging than others? Is it, or is it more about, I don't know, I guess plants all have the same challenges, I suppose. Um as you're as you're looking you know to treat them um, yeah
2: so the, yeah some do and some don't I mean it, it's more about susceptibility I guess and the strength of mm-hmm. the plant is what we find yeah so so it's not necessarily I mean I mean I will say I think fruit plants you know fruit plants seem to be a ch- seem to be one of the challenges I think around for a lot of people but it it also becomes about what is going on in in your yard on your land right so if you have if you have a rust problem because you have the cedar trees and things like that then you know you're going to have more susceptibility for those types of things so i always encourage people what we do here and what i do with with our clients is we assess what they have for you know, four trees, four plants on the property, also keeping in mind that if your neighbor has particular trees that cause problems for free trees, then that's something <laughs> that you have to consider, yeah. right? So, yeah. so it's yeah. what's susceptible. It. It's more about what, mm-hmm. what is susceptible. Um, you know, there, again, there are some species that have a harder time. Dogwoods, like you mentioned, are very, they're sen- they're very sensitive um, to the environment um so we also will treat like a, our dogwood with a phosphorus because our dogwood happens to be on the street side so it's it's actually being exposed to you know lots and lots of fumes and and things like that because it is on on the street side of our property so it's more about kind of looking at at the actual individual plant and saying okay what's its environment what is it susceptible to what's the health of the plant and then Treating it that way, and you can do that yeah. proactively, like I've done. Once you get familiar with your plants, you'll know what to do in the spring, in the midsummer, and in the fall. Cool. Wow.
1: Okay, we've got a couple more minutes, and I wanted to touch upon um, resources, and then anything else you might like to add. But um, you know, your your own website, your own business, share that, and if you want to share any other resources.
2: Um, so, so resources on the agro, specifically on the agro homeopathy. I think one of the things. Yeah, let's let's um, say that. Yeah. Yeah. So on the agro homeopathy, there are there, there's two books. Um, so there, um, I have a really hard time with this gentleman's name, Wendy. Um, that have the, <laughs> we'll, we'll, you know what we'll
1: just we'll just we can post Sorry. It if you want in the in the yeah, um... yeah
2: there's two books i have a really, it's it's terrible i should I, every time i try to say it correctly it never comes out that way so there are two books though there are there are, there are not a lot of information on agrohomeopathy i mean there's some at least that's consumer friendly um, but there are two books that we can share out on the on the website it would be okay. great um yeah. And they do, there are two people that are founders. Um, there's Mott and I'm not going to say right, the caviar or something, something of that nature. He'll have, have to forgive me. But you but know what, he, you know what can... I'm just
1: going to say is because we are running short on time. Um, oh Gosh, there's so much more to cover. Um, is that you've got a great website, um, Your Life in Land, and you have a, a um, kits for homeopathy and agrohomeopathy that people um Right, that they can um, purchase from we you, do. and you have, all, and, and you have great, some great classes too. So there's, a, you've got a lot going on, and um, so I, you know, want people and to go to your life and land. Was it your mm-hmm. It That's is right. correct.
2: So, and we have all those resources out there too.
1: Okay. Okay. Fantastic. Um, guys, there's so many more questions I have, but we're going to, I think it's time to, um, conclude Mm -hmm. for today, but no, Chris, thank you so much for sharing your experience, your knowledge, your resources, your wisdom. I know we want to talk a little bit about American choice for homeopathy, um, which is really, they've got some really important issues going on with protecting homeopathy. And we will put that link also on that page. Um, so listeners, if you have specific questions for Chris, you could reach her through her website, um, yourlifeandland.com. And I will provide this information along with a few valuable resource links related to today's show on our Dream Vision 7 Radio Network podcast page. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Please help us grow our community of listeners and difference makers so we can make. Know, work together to make a better world. All the Storywalking podcasts are free online. Go to Storywalking.com to learn more. um Chris, I wish I could say you know any more thing you want to add, but we're. <laughs> We have to bring you back on, I guess. So, another time to talk.
2: <laughs> Thank to you so much. Thank you very really much.
1: fascinating. Now, the Story Walking Radio Hour airs on syndicated Dream Vision 7 radio network every Monday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Listen online or on your mobile device anywhere, anytime, where you're gardening, where you're cooking. Um, for a full schedule of Dream Vision 7 radio programming, go to DreamVision7, 7, numeral 7, radio.com. Thank you for joining us here today on the Story Walking Radio Hour. I'm your host, Wendy Natalie Fashon with guest Chris White and we both wish you all the very best as you introduce more natural solutions into your life and story walk your way towards better health.
0: Once again, the Storywalking Radio Hour has covered a lot of ground. Please join Wendy Natterney fashon next time for a new edition of the Story Walking Radio Hour. This show airs every Monday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Listen live on DreamVision7radio.com, where you can also access archives of previous Storywalking Radio Hour episodes. Find them under the Sustainable Living section. And visit the Storywalking.com website where you can contact contact wendy to learn more about the practice of storywalking
3: this is dream vision 7 radio network uniting mankind with universal love our shows are created from the heart bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment breathe relax and enjoy let life flow